0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Halliburton, oh, a logo three. He's feeling it, and he knocks it home. An early show for Tyrese Halliburton. Five for five from distance. Half court Lillard. Yes! Might have just sold it right there. Damian Lillard with a triple from half court. He's got 39.
2: Obviously, from a player's perspective, you know, it's fun to get up and down. But at the end of the day, our competitive nature don't like just being able to just have free-flowing scoring like that.
3: <laughs> Free-form. Flowing. Yeah, I would say we got that last night in the All-Star game. Mark Hescher with the call here on ESPN Radio. We know all weekend it was a hot ticket in Indy. Indy's a great basketball town.
4: Great town, period. The game. Yes.
3: The game. Hot ticket brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Get great deals on the hottest tickets. Experience it live. So I want before we dive into the actual game... I want to play a piece of audio setting this up to make matters worse. Um, Larry Bird was at the NBA All-Star Brunch on Sunday morning. They have all the legends there for a big brunch getting ready for the All-Star Game. So it's a great experience. And you have a guy like Larry Bird, a Hall of Famer from Indiana. He gave some advice as to what he wanted to see in that All-Star Game last night. Here is Larry Legend.
5: The one thing I would really like to see is they play hard tonight in this this All-Star Game. I think it's very important... When you have the best the best players in the world together, you got to compete and you got to play hard and you got to show the fans how good they really are. Wow,
3: did they ever 211-186 the <laughs> East beats the West last night, a 397 point all-star game and they didn't even have a 2 in the scoreboard to a point they actually had to cover it because they didn't have the 2 where the 1 normally is because we've never seen a game in the 200s. Yeah. I hope Larry Bird looked away last night, guys.
5: Yeah, if Larry Bird wants to see the best players in the world come together and play hard, then he should go to Paris for the 2024 Olympics because <laughs> that's where he's going to see it. It ain't going to happen at the All Star break, is it not? Like players are not going to do that. There's no incentive to go out there and play hard to bust it to play defense, which is really really hard and risk injury, knowing that the game is meaningless. Th- this game doesn't count towards your standings. This game doesn't increase your salary. This game does nothing for your legacy. So I, just, I I don't, other than being named an All-Star, I don't think it does anything to change the resume for the players in terms of what you actually do in the game. So I understand why players are more conservative. They look at the All-Star weekend and the All-Star game itself as a celebration of the sport to have this platform, but also as a break in the demarcation from when you take the regular season um, not so serious, to when you actually take the regular season series.
4: So with all that being said, do you think there's anything that the NBA can do to shift perception or incentivize these players even further?
3: No, I think it's become the worst All-Star game. I do. And I love the NBA, but it's become... The, like, the NFL at least realized the Pro Bowl is a disaster. Let's eliminate the Pro Bowl. Let's create a fun weekend. They're going to play flag football, They'll have all kinds of competitions, etc. Okay, it's not as popular maybe as it once was, obviously. But again, the... There's no motivation to change when you have a network TV deal, a network radio deal, and sponsorships up the wazoo. It's not like they're hurting on this, yeah, right? Yeah,
4: but clearly Adam Silver's not pleased with he, what he's saying. Yeah, he can't He's be. obviously frustrated. We saw it last night.
3: I mean, they had things in the past that allowed for competitive, like, or competition. They had this thing called the Elam ending, which you put a certain number in the first to that number wins the game, and there was a level of competition. I don't think any player wants to get hurt. I think every single player wants to have the time off. You know, I got a text message. um, I'll give him a shout-out here. Josh DiMaggio, ESPN, Milwaukee, sent me a text message, and it's a a great point. He said, all of these things that the NBA is doing now give off the wrong vibe around the sport. The players don't want to play as many games. They think 65 is too many to qualify. 65 of 82, by the way, mm-hmm. to qualify for this. That they want to break during All-Star Week, etc., cetera, et cetera, And it gives off the wrong vibe because I do believe the players are competitive. I do believe the players work their butts off to try to win a championship. I do believe that they're giving max effort most of the time. But all the conversation around the sport turns people off. Like, I'm a diehard NBA fan. I'm going to watch no matter what. But if you're a casual and you see a 211, a 186 all-star <laughs> and you see players complaining like Jalen Brown did this weekend about 65 games being too many to qualify for awards, I mean, it's a turnoff to people.
5: Is, is it turning people off, though? Yes. With, with the new with the new TV deals and with the sponsorships, is it turning people off? Yeah. I believe it Cause is. Because the, the, the cash register ain't getting the memo, bro. <laughs> It's just I think not it is. the the sport. The sport has never been more popular. You got guys making sixty million dollars a year. Like I, I just, it, it is it is a wildly popular sport, and I think they're still reaping the benefits from the changes that David Stern made in terms of organizational philosophy and promoting the individual player as opposed to promoting the teams. And that's the that's an extension of you know All Star Weekend. Like that. That's what it is. It's an extension of that. Which is promoting the stars and celebrating the individual players for being the best in the sport, and when you have that, I, I just I think it's a situation where where fans can still lean into it. People still turn on the TV and watch All Star Saturday Night because you want to see what's going to happen. Now the game, not so much, but 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 I mean, when it comes to the All Star Weekend. People are going to watch it because, again, it's a celebration of the sport.
3: So let me ask you guys this. We've seen in the past the draft, like where the players draft each other. That didn't really work. No. East versus West hasn't worked. There's one other idea that I don't personally love but that has been thrown out there because I don't like creating a divide like this. A lot of people have said international versus American.
4: Mm. I just I under- don't like that. I understand, that. but I, I think that could get tricky.
3: I, I don't like like – Jokic and Jan- – I mean, first of all, the international team would destroy the I was going to say, team. that's
4: where it could get tricky.
3: Right? I mean, if you had Jokic, Giannis, Luka, and B- – well, Embiid is now, I think, uh, American citizen, so I think he's playing on the American team. But you get the point. Like, they would mm-hmm. – like, I don't, I don't like separating like that. I like all the guys just coming together as one. But I guess would that, would that create a level of competitiveness that we don't see now?
5: because no, just- you got it. You got it in the Olympics every four years. So
3: yeah,
4: why?
5: <laughs> it's like why, why? I don't need to do that.
4: <laughs> Should we just accept what it is and stop trying to save it or revamp it yes. or revitalize it? Like yes, it's a it's a different point in time it's never going to be what it was when we were younger it's never going to be what Larry Bird was talking about anymore unless these guys commit to it and I just don't see an avenue out there for them to care enough or be incentivized enough to where they're going to weigh it over their rest but that's the
3: turnoff what you just said.
4: I understand. But what, but if nothing's going to change every year, we're going to continue to do this, bang our fist but, on the table and say, it's but, not the same. It,
5: we should just accept it. But, but here's my problem. Smalls with the revisionist history and what Larry bird is pointing out the whole back in my day. And this is, listen, man, These players weren't doing it out of the goodness of their heart or just because they loved to compete. It wasn't truly altruistic. I think it was a situation where they recognized that the All-Star Weekend, because they tried to make it this huge platform, was an opportunity for them to get their brands out and to monetize their athletic ability. The world was a much smaller place then. I mean, a much bigger place, excuse me. It was a much bigger place, and it was hard to make sure that you put yourself out there in that way where you can monetize your abilities. If you're a star player now, you're you're recognized as a star in high school. You're making money out nil in college. The money is huge around professional sports. It wasn't like that in the '80s and '90s when Larry Bird was in his era. Like it just it was different. And so I think there was a monetary incentive for those guys to go out there and put themselves in a dunk contest, to put themselves in the three-point contest, to bust it in the All-Star game and try to win All-Star MVP, to try to separate yourself in order to make more money. You don't have to do that anymore. And players recognize that, which is why they're not busting it at the All-Star game. So I think a part of this is the, 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 the growth of the game and how much money these athletes are actually making. Again, they're not incentivized to play hard during All-Star Weekend. They're just not.
4: That is such an interesting thought, CeCe, because you're right. Back in the day, this was a billboard for them. This was a grand stage for them. And now, you're right. These guys are like, I have my own podcast. I've been making money since college. I don't need this stage to get my brand awareness out there or to get a spike in my popularity. I mean, maybe some of these guys do, but for the majority of these guys who are stars, the ones we actually want to see competing in these events or competing in the All-Star Game, they view this probably more as a liability than they do an opportunity. And that's the problem. All
3: right, let me let me throw out maybe two more. Like you, you asked the question about how could we get this competitive, right? Or should we just give up? I'll throw out two more ideas. What about either defending champ or best record in the league against the All-Stars in the All-Star game, right? So theoretically, you'd have like the Celtics against the All-Stars. So the entire Celtics team gets to go. Or you do what the NFL has done and realize the game is not the way to do it. We have to come up with a different version of the game. Do you do like a three-on-three tournament? Big three style.
5: You're not going to get them to play hard, though, Ev. Who cares about winning the three-on-three? I'm just
3: throwing anything out there to see if there's anything that we can do to get it back to the competitive nature.
5: They're not going to play hard in the game. They're they're not. They're not going to play hard in the game. I mean, if you want to break it down to a three-on-three game and and do, I I guess, something around that, you could, but they're not going to play hard in the game. So I guess the question would be, what's the point in changing it?
3: There's none. if that's, if that's what it is. And we'll have, we'll have like a little blip, right? Where next year they'll play hard because they'll be embarrassed by this, right? I mean, even LeBron yesterday after the game had this to say about the way in which this all went down.
2: I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I think something we need to figure out. Where's the median? Because this is what, this is what a lot of the games are starting to look like now too. You know, we wanted to, um, get more, you know, more pace to the games. We want to get more shots. We wanted the game to be more free flowing, um, We stopped letting the game be freedom of movement, a lot of freedom of movement now. And that's what a lot of our games is in the regular season now. They let us tighten up in the postseason. Um, So it's a a deeper dive into a conversation of how we can um, shore up this game. Um, Obviously, from a player's perspective, you know, it's fun to get up and down. But at the end of the day, our competitive nature don't like just being able to just have free-flowing scoring like that.
3: I mean, yeah, the nature of the game is we've we've joked during CC's best bets at the end of our show at 9.45 a.m. Eastern time every day, take the over for Indiana, right? They just scored a ton of points, and we know they're not going to play a ton of defense. So, like, it's a weird thing because, yes, LeBron is right. It is an offensive-minded game now, obviously, versus what it has been in the past, and yet it's almost like it completely changes in the postseason because if you're that offense-only team – you're not gonna win it. Like the Bucks, literally fired a coach at what thirty and thirteen, if I'm not mistaken. Adrian Griffin was because they saw we ain't playing defense, playing a lot of offense, not playing defense. So it's like one sport in the regular season and another sport in the postseason. But what we see in the regular season is getting ridiculous, obviously, as obviously pointed out last night within the All Star game, a 211. a 186 all-star game. All right. That wasn't the only thing LeBron had to say because he gave some insight as to what is going to happen in his future. We will dive Uh, into that next. We are on Sportsmanlike (laughs) on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
0: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan, Canty, and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike.
2: I have not mapped out how many seasons I have left. I know it's not that many. I was asked this question, will you kind of take the farewell tour or will you kind of just Tim Duncan it? I'm 50-50.
3: I think it's really going to be about health and, and contending. I, I think that he's not going to want to hang on if he's playing 40 games a year and the team
1: continues to struggle. He probably could play another four years physically, but I don't think he could take being on a team that's not necessarily contending year after year.
3: All right, we got we got to play this from LeBron James. Uh, this is comedy. One of the things he said this weekend: <laughs> LeBron was asked, "What's next in his career?" Take a listen to what he had to say.
2: I am a Laker, and uh, I, I am I'm happy and been very happy being a Laker the last six years, and uh, and hopefully it stays that way. Um, but I don't have the I don't have the answer to how long it is or. You know which uniform I'll be in. Hopefully, it is with the Lakers. It's a great organization and so many greats. But, but we'll see. I don't know how it's going to end, but it's coming.
3: Okay, you heard they're coming back about the retirement. I don't know if I'm going to do the retirement tour or be like Tim Duncan and just go. Out. Uh, breaking news: LeBron's going to do the retirement yeah, tour. I, brought, I will <laughs> bet. I don't know how much money we have in our bad take tour, but I, I, bad take tour, bad take jar. It's I 150 will bet
4: be, bucks, I think. Right okay, now.
3: 150, three hundred. $300, $300 that he does the the retirement tour because even if he's going to here's what's going to happen I'm going to I'm going to script it for you You know, I really didn't want to do this, but when I talked to Adam, Adam thought it would be good for the league for me to do this, and I appreciated Adam saying that, and to be in all these arenas for the last time. He's not wrong, I understand where – I know. But when Derek Jeter has to do a retirement tour, trust me, LeBron James is going to do it. $300 he does the retirement tour. Yeah,
4: because I've never seen LeBron James play in person, and if I know it's Mm. my last opportunity to, I'm going to spend the money, and I'm going to go see him because he's one of the all-time great athletes that has ever existed in my lifetime. So, of course, I'm going to see him, even at whatever version it is, if I know that there's a finite amount of times left that I could do that, I'm I'm going to go. So, why wouldn't he do that, and why wouldn't the NBA want him to do that?
5: I, I yeah, think- it's a win-win situation. Like, I, I'm with you. Like, it would be great for Adam Silver in the league. It would be great for some of these teams that don't give you any other reason to come out to the arena other than the visiting team. So, the LeBron James farewell tour, making a stop in those places, would absolutely be a boom. And then – for you know sports fans in general, but LeBron James, also like this is a situation where he can get his flowers from everybody before he decides that he was going to retire from playing basketball and potentially owning an nBA team so I think it's it's different when you 're a player when you have the opportunity to be around the game is cool, but it's never quite the same as when you 're a player, so every guy wants to have every player wants to have. Their, their, their flowers before they step away from the game, and it gives LeBron James an opportunity to do that.
4: Yeah, and it's not only him receiving it. I think it's important for fans to be able to give that to him. Like when I see some of these farewell, farewell tours that happen in baseball, it's it's a big deal for a lot of these fans to get the opportunity to see some of these guys and for the organizations that have competed against this person to give them a gift. And it's just a good thing to acknowledge the greatness in your sport and to have it be on that platform. I think Smalls it's a win-win.
5: Smalls, you're absolutely right. But I will say this, as, as a sports fan and as a Lakers fan, one of my biggest regrets in my sports fandom is when I was in L.A. and I had a ticket to see Kobe's final game and I didn't go.
4: Oh,
0: what? no. I didn't go.
5: Cece, what? I, I, did, I didn't go. And he dropped 60 against the Jazz. And I just was like, wow, I didn't go to that game. And it was just one of those. I I had to get up at one o'clock in the morning, and I was just like, "Man, I got to get up. I got I got a a football show to do one o'clock in the morning." Like I was just like, "I don't know if I want to do that," and go like do the go to the game, and then we have to wake up quick turnaround. But I had a chance to see Kobe sixty, and I didn't do it. Wow! And that is one of my biggest sports fandom regrets that I've ever had. So like the the farewell tour is a is a is a real thing. It's a big deal. And it gives the fans an opportunity to say goodbye rightfully to one of the greatest of all time, the second best player to ever put on gym shoes.
3: All right, a few things on this. Kobe's last game, definitely one of those days where you remember where you were when it happened, right? Cece just recalled that story. I was in a hotel room in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, sharing a room with a friend of mine who has horrible sleep apnea, and his CPAP machine was going on (laughs) the entire game as I'm watching Kobe score 60. That is not a joke. It was just like, I'm like, can you lower that thing? Kobe's scoring 60 in his final game. That's number one. Number two. We're talking about two separate things here with LeBron. Everything you guys said was right about the idea of a retirement tour. Good for the league. Good for the fans. You're 1,000% right. My issue is LeBron claiming he's not sure if he would want that. Are you kidding me? Tim Duncan walks away because Tim Duncan wants no attention ever. The three of us work in an attention-seeking business. To some extent, LeBron does too. With uh, Not to some extent. He does with his off-the-court stuff, right? He is a phenomenal, not a good, a phen- he's a Michael Jordan-level businessman, right? That's how good LeBron is off the court. LeBron not wanting a retirement tour, really? That's ridiculous. Now, the, there's another part of this that I actually believe him on, and it was a tiny little slip-in. I do think he wants to finish his career with the Lakers. I actually don't think he wants to go somewhere else.
4: No, he's comfortable. Why would he want to go somewhere else?
3: And I just think, like, Rich Paul made it clear to Stephen A on Stephen A's podcast the idea that maybe possibly people looking at LeBron like he's trying to catch Kobe or catch Michael are looking at it the wrong way, that that's not necessarily his focus. To me... I don't see him. Maybe I'm not, CeCe. You're a Lakers fan. You would know better than we would. I don't see him playing in another uniform anytime soon. I really don't.
5: No, I don't think he is either, but he leaves open that possibility to try to put pressure on the organization. But I think everybody involved knows that LeBron has shut up shop in L.A. He's yeah. not going anywhere. His son right. plays at USC. His family's out there. Like, he's he's good in L.A. And, I mean, if you've ever spent any time in L.A., if you've ever lived in L.A., you know that it's a beautiful Beautiful place to live. So I mean, I, I, I don't I don't foresee LeBron James deciding that he's gonna go ring chase somewhere else for a year or two if especially if he can convince a player that's gonna be a free agent over the next year or two to get to come to LA to sign in free agency or to be traded to LA. I think this is all about LeBron James trying to, to have one last gasp at being able to win a ring and keep maximum pressure on the organization in order to do what it takes in order to put the players in place to get a title.
4: I also think that the Lakers are a brand that matches the brand of LeBron, and there's only so many markets and teams that he would view as a lateral move or maybe a slight edge up. There's there's just certain places that he's not going and it's not even about basketball i think at this point so i i can see why he would want to stay in LA for many reasons
3: agreed but i'll also add on from a basketball perspective after this season they have a lot more roster flexibility than they've had in years no doubt so there is a, like, hey, can I just make sure that I'm healthy going into next season, even if we don't win a championship this year? Because I got expiring contracts all over the place. What, three first-rounders, if i Three mistaken? tradable first-rounders. Yeah, rounders. three tradable first. Like, everything feels different after this season. And he's not the player he once was. He's also still a top-two player on a championship team. I yeah. think anybody could see that. Now, there is one other thing he said that, again, I don't know how much I believe this one. But LeBron talked about all the rumors with the Warriors last week.
2: It didn't go far at all. You know, I I actually heard about it when everybody else heard about it. You know, obviously, you know, Charles been in the league, Kenny been in the league, Shaq been in the league, and sometimes there's conversations happen behind closed doors that you don't even know about. And until, I guess, if it's real or not, then they'll bring it to you. but it it never even got to me. So, you know, I heard it when the reports dropped as well.
3: That's courtesy of TNT, I mean. (laughs) So Woj and Ramona broke the story about LeBron and Warriors' conversation to LeBron?
5: Really? (laughs) Does anyone believe that one? I don't understand why he does this dance. Like we don't all know that he's involved in the decisions that are made with the Lakers. Like, like he, like he's not involved with with personnel. Like he doesn't have any say. Like for goodness' sake,s he runs the biggest agency in the NBA. Thank you. With his boy Rich Paul, Clutch Sports. What What are we talking about, bro? <laughs>
4: He wants us to simultaneously believe that he's tweeting out the hourglass emoji and that he's putting the Knicks towel around his neck, and he wants us to talk about the influence that he has in these decisions, but then also believe that he's saying he found out about it when we found out about it. Both things cannot exist at the same time.
5: He invites a lot of the hate on himself, fellas. <laughs> yeah. He does. Like, 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 I, like, I ride with LeBron. I ride with the king on a lot of things. Me too. But this is one of those where it's like, bruh, you, you you give the haters more ammunition when you do stuff like this. Because we all know what time it is. Exactly. Stop right. trying to play us, bro. It's yeah. okay. Don't insult you, us. You're the second best player ever. It's okay. You're a billionaire athlete and you're still playing. We get it. But don't try to play us for the fool and make it seem like we don't We don't think you have any ends when it comes to what's going on around you. Stop it.
4: Yeah, you can't have it both ways. You can't have us think that you have all of this power and that you can manipulate the situations around you to your benefit and then also tell us that you have no idea what's going on.
3: Well, a Hall of Fame coach has an idea of what's going on with his own team and he doesn't like it. We'll get to that next. It's on Sportsmanlike presented by Progressive Insurance.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN radio.
5: Ev. Yo. I was just thinking about something. Yes, sir. If you're if you're a player that wins the three point contest in this era of the NBA, do you even take pride in it <laughs> knowing that you're not the best three point shooter? Like that's that's the thing. I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking about it. Damian Lillard getting the three point contest trophy, going back to back in that event, and then him getting All Star MVP and burying that triple in the game. I'm just sitting there thinking. You realize you are the second best shooter at best in the NBA. Like, so is it even something that you would really want to celebrate? I mean, as an athlete, I wouldn't want to celebrate a trophy unless I thought I was unless I thought I was the best or I had a chance to prove I was the best. I, I don't know. Just seems a little strange. So, I
3: know you've been the one trying to defend All-Star Weekend. You realize you just annihilated it one, <laughs> annihilated it in one fell swoop. Because here's what you just did. You basically said you can't celebrate the three-point competition because you're not the best three-point shooter. Seth you're Perez. not. Right. You're not. Okay. You also can't celebrate the dunk competition because... None of the great dunkers actually participated in it, so much so we had to go to the G League two years in a row to get Mac McClung, <laughs> yeah. who, if Mac McClung was four inches taller, we wouldn't be interested in him because he's so <laughs> tiny and he can throw the ball he himself got some and, hostile. and jump His, over. It's he ridiculous. Got some, he it's unbelievable. I mean, My gosh. It's so Impressive. basically, the one person trying to defend it has now crapped on it in a way that none of us did for the first two and a half hours of the show. Congratulations, CeCe. You can no longer defend it based on your sound logic.
5: I wasn't – here's what I was just saying. Like, if you're Damian Lillard, you're holding up the three-point shootout trophy and you realize the actual best three-point shooter in the world – Ever. Probably ever is the guy that was participating in the challenge against Sabrina UNESCO. and that's Steph Curry. So you realize, like, okay, the only reason I got this trophy is because Steph Curry wasn't in it. And he wasn't in it because he was injured or anything. He just wasn't in it because he was not interested. There's nothing to prove – because everybody already knows him to be the greatest shooter in the world. I don't know. It just seems a little weird to me. I d I don't know if that's the I don't know if I'm putting that trophy in the trophy case. Oh. All star MVP, okay, that's cool. I'm probably not gonna put that three point shootout contest trophy in the trophy
4: oh, case. Oh really? If nah. that's me, I earned it. It's on the mantle.
5: But nah. nah. well, he has back to back.
3: But nah. and and I mean, again, it's, cool it's that also that you went
5: back to back, but I mean you're back to back runner ups for the best <laughs> three point shooter in the league. Next year it'll be interesting because I assume
3: Steph will participate in it at home. And, Dame, oh, yeah, and Dame will try to go for a three-peat in his hometown or home area because, you know, the, where the arena is. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. Congratulations. You won second No, I'm place. just
5: saying. I, just, I saw how easy Steph Curry did what he did on Saturday night. I mean – the last rack was his money ball rack, and, I mean, he he dominated it. Like, he's, he's, he's the greatest shooter the game has ever seen. <laughs> I just awesome. don't know that I would want to be peacocking if I'm Dame Lillard with the three-point shootout contest trophy. Just saying. All this positivity,
3: kind of, talking about Steph and Sabrina and how great they were. Let's bring it back to earth here a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, St. John's is a basketball team that in the 80s was a very relevant team. In the mid 80s, Big East was huge.
5: Even in the 90s, Felipe Lopez, man. Come on. I bro. love Felipe Lopez. Come on now.
3: My dad come went to out. go see him play in high school. He was that big of a star in New York, Felipe wow. legend. Lopez. legend. Wow. Wow. New York Icon- legend. Maybe one of the biggest basketball stars, including pros, that we've had in the last 30 years in New York. Yeah. When he, yes. when he was in high school, he was yeah. enormous.
4: That reminds me of Jason Tatum in St. Louis. Packed gyms, anytime he played.
3: Mm. This guy was huge. Um, and so St. John's basketball was a thing. And then Rick Patino takes over this offseason, leaving Iona to go to uh, to St. John's. Hey, this is a big deal. Well, they lost yesterday to Seton Hall. They blew a lead. And Pitino was thrilled with this team postgame. Really, <laughs> really pleased with their performance.
6: We are so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. It's been that way the year. But we came out in the second half, and we knew they would come after us, but you have to move the ball, and we just took – Four minutes of rush shots. I think they're unathletic. I don't think they move well laterally. I don't think they're going to pick it up in the next week. Uh, I think they're slow laterally. I mean, Sean Conway gives you everything he can. He's slow laterally. About five guys are slow laterally. Even, even the Celtics, when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year. But this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching you have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. I think they're very respectful. They hear, but they don't listen. It's taken me a month to get them to throw bounce passes. Actually, two months to throw bounce passes. I'm just thinking of getting ready for Georgetown because Georgetown could definitely beat us. I'm not even thinking of the future at all. I'm just thinking of the next game and the next game and the next game and that's it. Finish. Uh, just try to get as many wins as you possibly can.
3: Okay. Um, if we had to rank wow. our top two, what's what's the, what are the top two best or worst moments from that?
4: Five guys are slow laterally.
3: <laughs> how about, can, I've been trying to teach them to throw a bounce pass for two that's, that's, that, that Ev,
5: that's the one that that's got your me, power though. ranking number They're one? They're respectful, but they don't listen. And it took me months to teach them how to throw a bounce pass. <laughs> So on top of you being unathletic, on top of you being weak, you're actually dumb too. Yeah. Like that, like that's what he's saying. Yeah. You hear so me? Like you a, don't re- listen. <laughs> re- respectfully. <laughs> because they they're respectful, but they don't listen. Here's and the it other took thing. me too much for them to teach them to throw a bounce pass. So like that's wow. I, I mean how how can you throw the players under the bus like that? And then they asked him the question do you regret taking the job? He said, no, the school is fine. It's the players. So this is the most unenjoyable coaching experience that I've had. And he's been coaching high-level basketball forever. Five, over, over the course of five decades, he's been coaching high-level basketball. And this is the most unenjoyable experience because of you guys in the locker room, the players. Y'all are awful. And most of you guys, I got you in the transfer portal. So you are guys that I picked, my staff picked, and I realize you guys are absolutely awful. And it's not as if it's something where you can help it by being more disciplined, by showing better basketball character. You're just not athletic. You move slow laterally. You're weak. And on top of that, you don't have the acumen to grasp what I'm trying to teach you. Wow. So, uh, along those
3: lines... I I did play-by-play horribly. I was a horrible play-by-play announcer. Florida Atlantic University uh, College Basketball. During the time I was there, there were three different head coaches. It's always odd for the head coach, and I do feel for them at times, when they have to inherit the previous team because they're there more likely than not because either someone left or the previous coach went somewhere else, whatever it may be. And there are guys in the team you don't necessarily want on the team. It's a weird situation. So this is Patino's first year, right? But 10 guys are transfers that he went and got, and four are from his previous program at Iona, per Nuno, our producer. Great job by Nuno finding this. These are actually his guys that he's, he's clowning on.
4: So it's his own fault.
3: Yeah, this, it's not like he's inheriting whoever the—who was? I don't even know who the previous coach was at Iona. Who, the previous coach's players, these are the guys that he wanted to be his players even worse. I'm sure CC. When you were in the league, you had position coaches, coordinators who inherited players. They're like, "Hey, it's just it doesn't fit, right?" I had not I, I couldn't do anything about this. Yeah, but the
0: coach
5: took the job though, right? Like that's t- the coach took the job under those circumstances, and that's the part that bugs me a little bit about what Patino is doing. You, you don't throw your players under the bus in this way. If you want to attack their sports character, if you want to attack their overall character. That's one thing. If you want to attack them being undisciplined, that's one thing. If you want to attack their effort, that's one thing. But to sit here and go after the attributes of the player and that's who they are, I just – I don't understand that aspect of it. Like, Like, if you're a coach, why are you asking them to do things where their deficiencies can be exposed? That's on you to coach. Don't ask them to do something that they can't physically do. That doesn't make sense. It's like me drawing up an out-of-bounds play to throw a lob to you, Ev. If you can't dunk, why am I going to draw up the play? (laughs) That makes no sense. That's the part that I don't like about what Rick Pitino is doing, and it's unnecessary to air these dudes out when you only got five games left. That's the other part of the game. Why are you doing that? The season's almost over. You're going to be moving on from them. You can let those guys know privately. Why do you choose to embarrass these players that have busted it for you all season long? Yeah, they might not be as good as you want them to be, They might not be capable of doing what you wanted to do and playing the style of basketball that you want, but they still played for you. Why would you then in turn throw them under the bus? Yeah, You're making money because of them. Why are you doing that to them? Why are you embarrassing them in this way? They didn't ask for that. They didn't ask to be, no player signs up to be embarrassed by his coach in the way that Rick Pitino embarrassed them players from St. John's. That has no place in sports, especially when it comes to collegiate athletics.
4: Yeah, it's not like the beginning of the season where he could say these things and then say, I used it as a spark tactic. I was trying to push buttons in a way and elicit a different, you know, a different result. We're at the end of the season. Like, what's the point of this?
3: I'm glad CC is thinking about drawing up plays because I was as well for our celebrity all star game that we hope to play in over the next couple of oh years. Boy. Here, I was thinking I bring the ball up, CC sends a, sets a back screen on someone, and then we get one of the NFL guys who's playing to go for a lob, like Nakua, Puka Nakua had a dunk, Micah Parsons, whoever. So I'm glad you and I are on the same page on this. We have I mean, why to start...
5: can't, Why can't why can't you throw me the lob?
3: I would love to. Are you We're ready wrong to you... me the I'm just making sure you're okay doing that. Absolutely. He's okay, ready. he's ready. Smalls, you're setting the
5: back screen.
4: No, I'm on the sideline with snacks. Okay, you uh-huh. are on Sportsmanlike
5: uh-huh. on ESPN Radio. Uh-huh. Smalls is the coach. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more.
1: This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Scoops a pass to Clark. Logo three. Got it. 22 is now number one. Caitlin Clark is the NCAA's all-time scoring leader in women's basketball history.
3: Iowa Hawkeyes radio network. Caitlin Clark, number one all-time in scoring. 99 points at the time she passed. Kelsey Plum, away from Pistol Pete Maravich for overall D1 scoring. And our buddy Jay Williams was on college game day, of course, as he is each and every Saturday this weekend, and had this to say that caused a lot of controversy around Caitlin Clark.
8: I think she is the Stephen Curry of women's college basketball. I think she has changed the dynamics of the way the game is played. I think the way she plays the pizzazz is that she's – Probably the most prolific score the game of basketball has ever seen. Unmatched. I am, I am unwilling, and maybe it's more the, the Kobe mentorship around me, to say that she is great yet. I think she is the most prolific score the game has ever seen. I hold great or the levels of immortality or the pantheon to when you win championships. I'm just, that's just me. So, Diane Taurasi, when you win three consecutive championships, two-time national player of the year... It has to, it has to culminate with the chip. It has to. I mean, Brianna Stewart. If we're talking about goat legends of the game, she's won four chips, four chips, multiple national players of the year. So I'm not saying that she's not at a high, high, high level. But for it to go to the states of immortality, in my opinion, it has to culminate with your team winning a champion.
3: So I personally believe that Jay was completely unfairly criticized all weekend by people because I think beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and if, if you're someone. That wants to judge individual players based on team championships and their greatness, he has a right to say that. I think she, Caitlin Clark is amazing and great. If does she have a championship? No. Is she on UConn or Tennessee historically? That would have D one All American types around her. No. Mm-hmm. But I think it got a little too nasty towards Jay this weekend. In my mind, I think he has a right. It's it's as Nuno has said to us many times. It's the Marino effect. Like yeah. you don't put Marino on the same level as Montana or Elway because he doesn't have championships.
5: Yeah, but I think in college, a lot of it is where you go, right? I mean, with Caitlin Clark, she decided that she wanted to stay at home. This is a little girl that grew up playing basketball in Iowa, and then she graduated to wanted to play for uh, the the program in her home state. Like, I can appreciate that. She didn't go to a perennial power like Tennessee or like UConn, uh, like LSU. And so I think – she deserves a little bit of credit for being willing to build it from the ground up. <clears throat> and the fact that she had her team in the championship last year, they were in the final four. Uh, I think that only, that only shows that she, she does have that greatness within her in terms of being at her best when her best is required. I get that Jay wants to put the qualifier out there. When we call somebody great, we want them to have the title to go along with all the other hardware. But in this instance, I don't know that I can necessarily agree with where he's at because I know how she's going to be remembered. If she's the all-time leading scorer of the sport, she is by default going to be considered great. And I don't think that's way off base when you actually take into the to- it's totality her impact on not only the hour program but in the sport overall.
4: I understand where Jay is coming from because I I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he's viewing it as a sign of respect. Kind of like we do with Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. Like, Mm -hmm. we know how talented you are, and that should result in championships. Yes. And it's a sign of respect for us to hold you to this level and to put those expectations on you. But... Conversely, I think there's more than one avenue to greatness, and it's not singularly winning a chip or or collecting rings. I mean, for Jay to say that she's a prolific scorer, that she's changed the game, to compare her to Steph Curry, by doing all those things, you're also acknowledging her greatness. You're yeah. acknowledging what she has done for the game of basketball and her place in, in the game. She's transcendent. and. Would it elevate her status in the game if she goes out there and wins a chip? Absolutely. He's he's completely right about that. But I don't think if she walks away without one that it takes away from what she's been able to accomplish at all.
3: I totally agree with what you're saying. I think Jay set it up with a major compliment. If you're going to say someone as Steph Curry changed the game an all time leader in scoring in college basketball, the expectation would be to lead their team to a championship. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done. And I think that if he's... It, now. I have no reason to think that Jay wouldn't be consistent across the board, right? You can't call Lamar Jackson great then. You can't call Josh Allen great then. You can't call Dan Marino great then. As long as we're consistent across the board, I'm fine with that. And I have no reason to think that Jay would not be. I also don't have to agree with that. You don't – neither of us have to – none of us have to agree with that. But that's the consistent thing of like are you going to – like CeCe, how do you view – like Lamar, we've said Lamar is a first ballot Hall of Famer because the two MVPs. Yes, does the word great apply?
5: If you're a Hall of Famer, yes. yes. Okay.
3: Josh Allen, <laughs> who, I mean, you know, we've had many of conversations about. Josh Allen great for you? Not yet. Okay. Because he doesn't have one of those two things, uh, MVP yeah. or or championship. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with, like, as long as you're consistent, okay. I, I agree with you. I took this as a compliment to Caitlin Clark. Yeah,
5: but Caitlin Clark is the best player in the sport,
3: right? Yes. Maybe
5: ever. She's the best in player in the sport right now. She's the best player in the sport right now, and she's the all-time leading scorer in <laughs> women's college basketball in history. <laughs> yeah, like like the, in the history of it. like I, did, I like and she she's on her way to being the first player to lead women's college basketball and scoring in three years of her collegiate career. I I, I what else like I mean I, I guess the championship is missing. But I feel like when we when it comes to the greatness conversation about her, we're moving the goalposts a little bit, aren't we? Like, she's going to be remembered as an all-time great women's college basketball player. It's just what it is. So to say that she's not great, I don't know. Now, if we want to qualify and say there are levels to greatness and she's not at the Stewie level or she's not at the Tarasi level, cool, I got no problem with that. There are levels to greatness. But I would also say when it comes to competing for a title – and having a chance to win one, context matters. If I didn't play at UConn, if I didn't play at Tennessee, mm-hmm. if I didn't play at LSU, if I didn't play at Baylor once upon a time when Kim Mulkey was there, like it, it's it's harder. If I didn't play at Stanford, it, it's harder. So I can acknowledge, though, if I didn't play at South Carolina with Don Staley, it's harder to win a chip. So, I, I mean, that's, that's the part where I think we have to consider what Caitlin Clark has been able to do for the Iowa Hawkeyes program. I think
3: everything you're saying is totally fair. Again, there's no, like, we, we all kind Or I don't want to say, I, I know I kind of contradict myself a little bit in that I value championships and Michael Jordan is definitively the greatest basketball player to ever live. And when somebody comes back of, well, what about Bill Russell? My answer is, well, Michael's better. <laughs> that's not like, that, that's yeah. be- right? That's beauty in the eye of the beholder. So in many and that
5: doesn't mean deal. that Charles Barkley and Dan Marino weren't great either. You exactly, know what I'm saying?
4: Exactly. That
5: doesn't mean it's like Charles Barkley is one of the greatest all-time players. Like he's phenomenal, but he's not. People don't give him his flowers because he didn't win a title. I just—he's still one of the greatest frontcourt players ever.
3: But that's that's the interesting evolution of that conversation. Is asking Jay is Charles Barkley great? Is Dan Marino great? Right? Because these are Hall of Fame cal- or Hall of Famers that don't have the title. Just like Caitlin Clark is probably going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. She is. There's no reason to believe she can't be amazing in the WNBA, but doesn't have a title. Right, And if you judge greatness by titles, then by Jay's standards, she's not great. We're Unsportsmanlike.
1: Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.